You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. But right now, without further ado, here he is with all the fanfare necessary from our orchestra, da, 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 da. Dr. History. That was sad. <laughs> no, it was really bad. I'm cheap. How you doing, Zeb? <laughs> good. Good. Well, I got a good story, I think, for you today. What are we going to talk about? Well, you've heard of the famous rides of Paul Revere and some of the uh, Pony Express riders that, in fact, one rider rode 388 miles on different horses in less than 24 hours. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about another guy, and I'm going to step out on a limb here and say that I don't think anybody has ever heard of this guy, but we'll see. Oh, we'll check us- it out. Okay. Usually I'll get a, an email back and say, yeah, we know, we know about this okay, guy. Okay, go so, ahead. Anyway, so, you know, until the arrival of the railroad and later the horseless carriage, uh, mules, oxen, and horses provided people with mobility and Indians. But of these, the horse was far more than simply a beast of burden. In fact, Charles Goodnight, the father of the Texas Panhandle once wrote, quote, man and horse were one and the combination accomplished feats that would be utterly impossible under ordinary circumstances. Mm-hmm. So this tale of the ride of a guy by the name of Portuguese John Phillips. Never heard of him. And a blooded Kentucky runner. This actually ranks in heroism above, above uh, Paul Revere. Now this occurred in 1866. Now, when men were heading to the new gold fields of Idaho and Montana, they were crossing land claimed by the Indians, which, of course, it all was. But the government in Washington ordered the U.S. Army to build a string of forts along the Bozeman Trail uh, to protect the immigrants from the Sioux, some of the Arapaho, and some of the Cheyenne that were threatening the gold seekers. Okay. So the Bozeman Trail, that's a, that's a famous trail we've yeah. all heard about. Yeah. And that began at Fort Laramie and ran north on the plains along the eastern edge of the Bighorn Mountains in present-day Wyoming. Then it crossed the Bighorn River in what is today southern Montana and then west to Virginia City. That's a pretty long trail. That is. And it was a fast trail. There were, you know, a few streams to cross, but it was well watered, a lot of grass. But it was still through Sioux country. Yeah. Now, there was a Colonel Henry Carrington was ordered to build forts. And one of the forts was named Fort Phil Kearney. And you've probably heard of that. I but have. the fort was named for General Philip Kearney, who was a Civil War hero. That's right. Okay. Now, between August and early December 1866, Indians made 51 attacks in this area near Fort Phil Kearney. But the post was not actually attacked, so to speak. Where was it exactly? Uh, Fort Phil Kearney. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was it uh, was in Wyoming. Yeah, it's in Wyoming. Yeah. Uh, by not too far from the Powder River, but I I'm not exactly sure okay. where that's at. All right. But anyway, the Indians had not actually attacked the fort, but each day a wood train managed to go out to find timber timber to construct the fort. Now, the supply trains came and went with little difficulty, but about 11 o'clock on the morning of December 21st, okay, so we're wintertime, 1866, the post lookout reported that the wood train was being attacked by Indians. Now, Captain William J. Fetterman led a relief party from the post to save the wood train. 
Against orders, Fetterman pursued the Indians over a place called Logs Trail Ridge along the Bozeman Trail. This was his first and last mistake. It was a trap. <laughs> Within a short time, every man in the relief party was killed. Oh, my. But the wood train returned safely to the fort, as did a guy by the name of Portuguese John Phillips. Now, he was a civilian. He, he wasn't in the military. Yeah. But he was engaged in hauling water to fill the post barrels at the time that the wood train was attacked. Now, Phillips was actually born uh, in 1832. He was a citizen of Portugal by birth. He came to America aboard a whaling ship bound for California. Now, the 18-year-old spent the next 15 years searching for gold in California in what is now Oregon, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. And then he eventually ended up at Fort Phil Kearney. Really? So, Phillips was at the post on the afternoon of this massacre when the bodies of 49 men were recovered. Oh, my. Now, late that afternoon, the weather began to change, the temperature dropped rapidly, and a blizzard soon began. Now, snow started to pile up against the walls of the fort. Now, efforts to recover the bodies were stopped. By nightfall, the snowdrifts were so high along the stockade's wall that details of men were constantly shoveling it away because Colonel Carrington was afraid the Indians might attack, and all they'd have to do is climb over the snowdrifts to get into the fort and jump inside. Were forts really built like we think they were? No. In fact, uh, the typical site of a fort surrounded by these walls probably was not that frequent. Really? A lot of forts were just nothing more than uh, some houses and corrals and uh, really not a fort as we think about I it. I see. So, now, this might be a good time for a break, Zeb, if you want to yeah, do that. Yeah, I would. I'd like to talk about Zach and the rest of the fine folks over at Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley. Let's talk about windows. Look out the window. There, you can see the outside. Okay. Well, the birds and the animals and everything else can see inside. But that's not the key. You want to keep the warm air out in the summertime and you want to keep all the cold air out in the wintertime. Well, check out the western windows and upgrade your windows for your home and your comfort. And check it out at Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley, right across from the airport. You can't miss it. And the number to call, too, if you want to get information, 878-2091. Really, really nice people. The whole Whole crew serving you at Minicasha Sales. Stop in and see them today. And don't forget, like I said last week, Abby, uh, Zach's daughter, is right out in front with that brain freeze. Great, tasty treat for the cool feeling on a hot summer day. Stop over and see Minicasha Sales. And right now, back to... What was your name again? <laughs> Dr. History. Here we go. All right, so here we are. We're in Fort Phil Kearney. Colonel Carrington is afraid the Indians are going to attack and simply climb over the snowdrifts to jump down inside the fort. And, of course, they would be hugely outnumbered. So, at about 9 o'clock that night, the temperature stood near about 30 below zero. Now, the cold was so intense that the sentries remained on guard duty for about 20 minutes. And even with quick relief, many of the men got frozen fingers, feet, nose, ears. I mean, 30 below, Zeb, that's... Yeah, and they didn't have the uh, shoes no, or anything like we have no, today, did they? They didn't have the nice, warm, everything oh, we have. I so, can't imagine. Yeah. So Colonel Carrington knew that the greatly reduced garrison, because he'd lost these 49 men, had to have help. And he knew the outside world must be told of the massacre, but there was no telegraph at the fort. 
Now, the nearest telegraph was at Horseshoe Station, more than 200 miles away. 200. 200, and it was near Fort Laramie. So Carrington knew he had to send a messenger. 200 200 miles miles. in the wintertime in the snow. 30 below zero. Okay, the colonel called for volunteers. Now, not surprising, no one volunteered. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, a handful of the old plainsmen, some scouts, and the veteran soldiers, you know, they just shook their heads. They knew they didn't want to go. I I wouldn't have wanted to go. It'd be a suicide run. So they knew a ride to Fort Laramie through the cold snow would mean almost certain death. And if the cold didn't kill him, uh, the rider and his horse, certainly the Indians would. Yeah. Although... That cold, I don't know the Indians would have been out either. But You know, you think about the Indians wearing those breech clouds. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, it was then uh, to, the surprise, uh, to the surprise of many that a kind of a dark, swarthy-looking man in his middle 30s, kind of a tough, wiry-looking guy, said he would go. He did. It was Phillips. And they na- nicknamed him Portuguese because he came from Portugal. Uh-huh. That was his native well, land. Well, that was an obvious choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was unclear why he did this, but uh, it may have been the challenge, uh, the thrill of danger, or the desire to help his comrades. And I would hope that's it. But, Or is it uh, maybe the fact that there were actually a few women and children at the, at the fort, the families of some of the officers, and, and you know, maybe he just felt like, okay, we got to get help so that everybody doesn't get massacred. There was no financial incentive? Nothing. Well, it doesn't say that there was. Yeah. So he just volunteered. But uh, Phillips asked to have the best horse at the fort uh, ready. Colonel Carrington quickly agreed and gave Phillips his beautiful black horse with Kentucky blood, the fastest animal at the fort. Uh, the horse's name was Dandy. Well, Carrington also gave Phillips a Spencer repeating rifle and 100 rounds of ammunition. So Phillips, and I find this interesting, he strapped the ammunition on his ankles to provide enough weight to keep his feet firmly in the stirrups. Now, I've never heard of that before. but I'm thinking about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I'm pondering. So did I after I read that. Maybe okay. because of the snowdrifts or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, Carrington quickly wrote two messages. One was addressed to General Philip Cook in Omaha, asking for reinforcements and supplies and telling about this massacre. It was referred to as the Fetterman Massacre. The other message was addressed to General Ulysses S. Grant in Washington, telling about the massacre and asking for some more Spencer repeating rifles. Right. Because they were, you know, they were good rifles. But anyway, Portuguese Phillips prepared for the ride. He dressed as warmly as he could in a buffalo coat, several layers of clothing. He slipped a few biscuits, hardtack, into his pockets. He tied a... Wait, whoa, 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 stop. A few biscuits in a hardtack for a 200-mile ride? (laughs) I don't know how few of those biscuits were, but... (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, and then he tied a quarter of a sack of oats for his horse to the saddle. Okay. Now, by then, another civilian at the post actually volunteered to go with him. His name was Daniel Dixon. Uh Now... Phillips mounted Carrington's horse, and Dixon mounted his horse, and they wheeled around, started off on a trot. Dixon was with him. The exact route they followed by Portuguese Phillips and Dixon has kind of been lost. They really are not absolutely sure. They don't know which way they went. Exactly. They knew the direction. But anyway, he chose not to ride through the timbered valleys along the Bozeman Trail. Probably a smart thing. Because of the Indians. The Indians would be watching. So instead, they followed the high, shelterless divides where it was colder, but where there was less snow and fewer Indians. I see. We've both been in the mountains, Deb. You get up on those... 
peaks and those uh, ridges, it's cold. You There's got, no trees. You're giving me goosebumps already <laughs> here in late June. Yeah. Anyway, several hours later, Phillips reached a place called Fort Reno, which was a tiny outpost about 67 miles south of Fort Phil Kearney. So okay. they'd been it this far. So yeah. he warmed himself up, fed his horse, told about the massacre. Now Dixon stayed at the fort. But Phillips soon left. Well, some friend he was. Well, it, 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 it's not too bad. I'll t- <laughs> in, the, in the pre-dawn darkness, Phillips mounted his horse and left Fort Reno, now reportedly accompanied by another rider. Oh, really? Yeah. And it doesn't mention his name. But at dawn, the two men sought shelter in a valley. They hid all day among the trees. And at dusk, the two men set out again for Horseshoe Station. So they're going at night. I see. That's not warm either. No. So traveling through... uh, uh, And wait a minute. Their direction, or their sense of direction, had to be phenomenal. Well, again, he'd been up to the mountains for 15, 20 years. Uh, That doesn't help at all as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) In the dark? Yeah. But anyway, traveling through what probably seemed like one continuous blizzard, riding only at night, rationing oats carefully to their horses, and eating snow for water... Portuguese Phillips and the other rider covered the 130 miles from Fort Reno to Horseshoe Station during the next two nights. So now he's gone 200 miles. He got to Fort uh, to Horseshoe Station. Now at Horseshoe Station, about 40 miles north of Fort Laramie, Phillips handed the dispatches to the telegraph operator. Now the dispatches were transmitted over the telegraph. But for some reason, however, Phillips did not trust the telegraph. Uh-oh. He didn't. He didn't really think it was that reliable. I see. So here he is. He rebound his legs with sacks, wrapped himself in the buffalo coat, stuffed the dispatches, the the telegraphs, uh, in his pockets, and set out at about noon for Fort Laramie. Wait a minute. He's going back? No, no. Now we're headed farther. Oh, we're headed see, further. See, okay. the telegraph is supposed to go to Fort Laramie to the officers. But he didn't trust it. He didn't trust it. He thought, I've got to hand deliver these messages Holy to the officers at Fort Laramie. You know how cold Wyoming oh, is? Oh, man. The wind. You oh. Know? Yeah. Now, again, another unidentified rider from Horseshoe, Sta- Horseshoe Station joined him. So he had companions on three legs of this, of this ride. So anyway, it was nearly midnight. Uh, on Christmas Eve, when Portuguese Phillips and the other rider reached Fort Laramie, snow and ice uh, matted Phillips' beard. I mean, you can just picture this, can't you? Oh, man. Beard covered with snow, icicles yeah. hanging down from his buffalo coat. And as the two riders passed through the gate, he could, they could hear music. Music? Music. There was a full-dress Christmas Eve uh, party dance was being held. I see. So this was Christmas Eve. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Phillips told the officer of the guard that he had to see the commanding officer at once. Now, if you're that sentry and you're looking at this guy all bound up in uh, ice and, you know, and anyway, the sentry said, well, he's at the dance. And so Phillips dismounted his horse, uh, sank to the ground. I mean, I would, too, after that long. No, actually, you probably probably fall (laughs) to the ground. (laughs) Well, and actually, sad thing, before Phillips returned, uh, the animal died from cold and exhaustion. That really? horse, yeah. Wow. And uh, Portuguese had had not changed horses for that actually 236 mile ride in the winter. one horse. I mean, wow. You talk about uh, stamina and endurance. You know what an uh, you know you've been around horses as I have. That what an amazing animal that wow. must have been. Yeah. So picture this snow covered figure of Phillips entering the ballroom. The music stopped. Mm-hmm. Everyone stared at Phillips. I don't know why. His eyebrows were crusted with ice and snow, uh, about twice their normal size. 
He asked the commanding officer in a kind of a trembling voice if he'd received the telegraph messages. Well, the officer said he had, but they were garbled and he could not understand them. So it's a good thing he did. So it's good that he continued on because had he trusted the telegraph... It wouldn't. It wouldn't have worked. So, I'll be darned. Anyway, slowly his weak, his voice weak. Phillips told the story of the massacre, uh, the Fetterman massacre, and delivered the dispatches. Uh, and aid was sent to Fort Phil Kearney, and the post was saved. So because they, of him, they at Fort Laramie, yes, sent uh, reinforcements. Right. Two hundred thirty-six miles. Two hundred thirty-six yeah. miles. So that you know, and even wow. then, uh, being well stocked, that had to be a miserable several day ride even for the you know but and it did take actually Portuguese Phillips uh, many weeks to recover from his ordeal now actually you asked about money and I I forgot about this but the records show that Phillips was paid $300 by the government really and uh, the ride however supposedly cost him far more than that in his health and uh, it just really wore him down which you can imagine but uh, one no I can't imagine (laughs) I can't I really can't either actually Uh, one tale claims that Sioux Indians upon learning of his ride swore vengeance that they were going to eventually get him because he had outfoxed them, so to speak. Yeah. But there's no, uh, they, they didn't, uh, evidently. But in 1870, uh, Phillips married a gal by the name of Hattie Buck, and she was a native of Indiana. They settled down on a ranch near modern-day Chugwater, Wyoming. Yeah. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I've been there. Okay. Yeah, North- and don't you dare tell me that he died a heat stroke. <laughs> no, north of Cheyenne. <laughs> and this was about six years after his ride. But yeah. actually, the Indians attacked his ranch, killed all of his stock. And Phillips soon sold his ranch. I mean, he didn't have any cows left. Yeah. He moved to Cheyenne and actually in 1883 died from kidney infection at about 51 years old. Wow. So, so 1898, 32 years after his ride, the government paid his solitary and destitute widow $5,000 to settle a claim against the Indian depredation on the ranch. Not for his ride, but for what the Indians did to his ranch, uh, killing his cattle. So the man who rode 236 miles in four days through driving snow and freezing cold, this was the guy that brought help to Fort Phil Kearney and saved who knows how many lives you know the women and the children that were in the fort besides the soldiers that were left which uh, as I mentioned the Fetterman uh, 49 of his guys were killed and wow. so I don't know how many were left actually to guard this the guy fort. really was a hero he really was and, and really I mean it was for a mere pittance it really was and again the, his uh, motivation for going I would like to think that it was because duty and yeah. integrity that yeah. he wanted to help. But he was a civilian, though. He was a civilian. Yeah. Yes. And uh, the money, I don't know that he, that was even offered before the ride. It may not have even been offered. It may have been something they just, after everything was said and done, they said, okay, let's give him I don't three, know $300. About, I don't know about you, but, you know, you have horses and I have horses and been in the horse business all my life. Riding in the winter time is not one of my favorite pastimes. You know, I've been elk hunting when the snow's been up to the horse's belly. Yeah, and every so often you have to get off and knock the snow clumps off the hooves of the horses yep, because it starts building up and building yep. up. And uh, uh, what I've done is nothing near what what these people. Went I can't through. imagine. Yeah, I just can't imagine. Yep. Boy, that was a great story. It is. I uh, I enjoy That's these. One of my are, favorites, really. Yeah. And it's one I and I'm going to bet nobody's heard about him. But if you have, let me know. What was his name again? Portuguese John 
Portuguese, John Phillips. John actually, Phillips. But they called him Portuguese. Yeah. Was his uh, his his nickname? Wasn't John Phillips one of the original members of the Mamas and Papas? <laughs> John, you know, I'd have to check that out, but Singing I don't think group. so. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, he that was his grandson. Okay. Anyway, Doctor History brought to you by Minicasha Sales at thirteen twenty one East Main Street in Burley, right across from the airport. Zach and the rest of the crew, they will work for you and do a great job. You get a hold of them today; they've got everything for your remodeling at Minicasha Sales. Doctor, thank you for being on the program this morning. I've got another commercial break and next week we'll see all right buddy all right thank, thank you, you. you excellent job thank excellent you. job dr ken turner better known as dr history